and welcome to the Media Narrative Podcast. I'm Rob Hoschild, and I believe that when we talk with people leading the public conversation, we better understand the ways that ideas can change the world. Today, we'll sit down with Ileana Panameño and Muchie Yun and talk about how they use storytelling to empower and celebrate women of color. You know, these are particularly meaningful times for women of color in the U.S. and in Boston. Many recently won midterm elections. One of them is Boston's Ayanna Presley, who won her primary last week and appears to be on her way to being Massachusetts' first ever African-American woman in Congress. The two women you'll meet today aspire to empower the Ayanna Presleys of the future, which is not to say that they have a focus on politics in particular. Panameño and Yun founded We Ceremony as a digital platform to focus on women of color who work in a wide range of fields. My two guests today met in elementary school, went to different colleges, and then reconnected via LinkedIn, of course. In our conversation, they'll talk about how they use personal narratives to help uplift and create opportunities for women of color. I was really impressed with these two when I first encountered their work because at very young ages, they have taken on a serious mission and with energy and savvy have already built something that's having an impact. As we join the conversation, Moo is talking about their reconnection. Once we started meeting up, you know, like it was pretty casual, just a few hangouts here and there, just grabbing dinner and catching up. Um, but it wasn't until we started to share more of our experiences that we knew we wanted to do something for the city of Boston. And when I say our experiences, I mean what it means to be a woman of color, to be a woman of color in Boston. And, um, you know, the city is one of the most segregated cities in the U.S. And we found ourselves really, I think, um, uplifting our own experiences. There were certain things that I've experienced being Taiwanese that Ileana, although she isn't Taiwanese, was able to relate to. And it was a lot of comfort for the both of us to share our own stories and the different experiences that we've had living in Boston and even in the cities where we went to in college. So you were in third grade. <laughs> to, you, you went to school together yes. in Boston in third grade? Mm -hmm. Yes. So some of these issues you were so aware of as young women, how aware of these issues were you when you were in elementary school together? I would say that we were aware of it. I don't want to answer for Moo, but um, I think maybe we didn't have the language to identify and say like, hey, this is racism or this is sexism or all the other isms. But I think that we were aware of it also because we were bused. We were both bused actually to Brighton public schools. And I was living in the Back Bay area off of Mass Ave and Moo. I actually what didn't bus. Um, I walked to school, but... You know, like it is very much what Ileana is saying that, you know, we were so young. Um, we didn't have the formal language to talk about the issues that we were experiencing. But I think just at least for the experience that my sister and I had from busing from off of Mass Ave to Brighton Public Schools, we did see like the stark differences too from just taking that 30 minute bus drive um, mm -hmm. from Boston to Brighton, just seeing like that these schools have a lot more resources maybe than some of the schools that we, that our other friends go to for an example. And of course, um, the population changes as well. After Moo and Ileana reconnected, they talked about similar difficulties they had independently encountered and felt compelled to take action. I think we were just really frustrated that, um, you know, 
although we were enjoying each other's company, is that every single time we met, we had a new story, something that happened to us that just needed to be shared with each other. And um, we were also very tired of seeing media representation or the lack of media representation for women of color in a positive light. And we thought one day, you know, we're spending all this time together and having these very productive and I think validating conversations each with each other. But there must be other women of color in the city or beyond who want this same space. And um, we sort of just decided, okay, like, let's go out and find women of color in Boston and let's talk to them and talk to them about these issues. But also let's celebrate the different experiences that we have as women of mm -hmm. color. What do you hope your readers and other consumers of your content take away from what you're providing right now? What do you want them to learn, to feel, to do when they engage with We Ceremony? I think for me, one of the main things is um, to be proud of where you're from. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of beauty um, in diversity, and that can sound really cliche, but I think especially this month, we're focusing on the theme of Eurocentric um, values and also um, features and colorism as well. And so we've gotten a lot of responses from women of color who follow us and others who have stumbled upon a upon our work, who are just wanting to share their story of, for an example, um, one woman shared with us um, recently that for the longest time that she had been like waxing her face and bleaching it, um, and she's Lebanese, and so she just like, we've never met her before, there wasn't really a connection there before, but I think with this theme, a lot of women are wanting to share a little bit, you know, like, for an example, in my family, I could be seen as like fat, or I could be seen as less intelligent because I'm more darker skin, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so they're just really interesting themes, but I think that that's something that we want to be a main takeaway, to just be proud of where you're from, but also in some way to take action to um, of the injustices that are happening within your own community or at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think right. for me, it's very similar to what Ileana just said, but always going back to we started this platform for ourselves. And I think as women of color, we are the experts of our own experiences. And so why shouldn't we be the ones to tell our own stories mm -hmm. and we certainly want people to arrive on our website, see themselves in the interviews that we've conducted, and we invite people to write to us to um, nominate someone that they mm -hmm. want to see interviewed. And so, again, going back to We Ceremony is for ourselves. It's for women of color. Um, and I think, you know, one thing, another main theme that we always talk about with our work is mentorship. And I think um, just... Inherently, I think women of color are just mentors for each other, and we want a younger generation or even people within our own age group to see it and find a mentor in the stories that they're reading. Um, I think We Ceremony right now has become a really great educational resource, um, although I think most of our, our content is about celebrating our cultures, being proud of it, and also addressing the different issues that are facing women of color today, um, but people are coming and seeing it as a resource, whether it's a story that I've never heard of and or a culture that I want to learn more. And just to clarify, um, I think because a couple of people have had questions about when we use the term women of color um, in terms of like us just lumping all these groups of people <laughs> into one category. Mm -hmm. um, but we also do want to come from the perspective that 
there are also privileges within each community as well and a lot of anti-blackness across all communities. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do want to clarify that point. The focal point of We Ceremony is the Spotlight Series, a number of interviews Moo and Ileana conducted with women of color. It's a fascinating group. Among their interviewees is a health justice advocate, a comedian, a muralist, an entrepreneur. It goes on and on. I asked them to mention a favorite profile or two. All of our spotlights are my favorites, but the one that really stands out to me and I think that I can relate to the most is um, one of our past spotlights. Her name is Naomi Guerrero, and um, she is a writer and the founding editor of Gallery Girl NYC. And I think she recently rebranded it to just um, to be her full name. Um, And she's also the current curatorial fellow of uh, the Perez Art Museum in Miami. And one thing I think for me, what I really loved about this interview is that Her website is all about bridging the art world and artists of color. And I studied art history at NYU, and I believe Naomi also got um, her master's. Well, she got her master's at NYU. And I first came across her work through Artsy, which is an art news website that's um, aimed at connecting collectors, but also offers a lot of news updates on what's going on generally in the art world. But um, Naomi came out with an interview or she penned an article that just talks about is the art industry exclusive to rich white kids and um, I really connected to that because when I first arrived at NYU and I declared a major in art history I never was able to find a sense of community and I couldn't find other people who could relate to me just because so many of my peers came from affluent families who had access to different cultural institutions that my family members and I didn't. Um, And so speaking to Naomi and just having this conversation with her was, again, very validating of my experience. And I, you know, sort of wish I had somebody like that during my undergraduate year at NYU because it's so nice to hear that somebody else, you know, I mean, it sucks that we have to experience it, but it's nice to know that I wasn't in this alone. And I love her work right now because, again, it's all about bridging the art world and communities of color. And communities of color have always been, I think, sort of sidelined or not taken seriously of within this industry. And and I think it's just very unapologetic. And um, and she's putting herself out there in the spotlight to talk about these issues that are very real and still relevant today. And so that's, I think, my personal connection to her experience is makes her story um one of, um, I guess, the top top of mind for me. It's a really powerful one. And, and the word access is so key to so mm-hmm. much of this, like the healthcare thing that mm-hmm. you mentioned, Ileana, and education as it relates to art and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a key part of keeping things sort of out of balance these days. So if all of this helps uh, kind of, raise awareness of the access problem. And that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other stories to share, Ileana? Do you have one? Yes. Um, So recently, Floricy and Cheyenne from the Women of Color in Solidarity Network, both Cheyenne and Floricy, they're from Massachusetts. Cheyenne, I'm blanking on where in Massachusetts she's from, but Floricy is from Chelsea. And a lot of her work is around um, there being more highlight of 
greater Boston, the issues that are faced in greater Boston, because sometimes we tend to just focus in on Boston. And there's a lot of resources here, and sometimes there's not enough, but there's even less so in places like Chelsea, Everett, Malden, mm-hmm. Revere. Um, but I truly appreciate just their perspective on everything. And also, since I work as an organizer, they're both organizers too. I really appreciate their platform that's just dedicating, uh, dedicated to elevating narratives and how important that is. And no matter what work that you work in or whatever issue you organize, because if the campaign or the issues aren't coming from the people or from the community, then what are you really doing, right? You're just another person coming in saying that I understand what you need, although I might not be from there or grow up in that same location. Um, but they're really, really both great. They also have annual conferences in New York, and mm-hmm. it's on a variety of issues. For an example, learning how to organize um, sex workers in New York City, for an example, learning how to organize union workers in the fight for 15. Um, so real issues that impact our community and that are important to have these conversations. Also, like how can we collaborate across um immigration experiences as well. What do we do about these issues in our nation these days? I'm going to just turn it to you too and see if you can solve this. And, 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 and we've been sort of touching on this. I mean, we have segregation and bias and racism and prejudice and in this city and many cities and many parts of this country in many ways it feels worse now than, than when I was your age, which is really weird um, from my perspective. What are some of the things we can do to address this in our schools, our communities, um, our workplaces, the media? Um, and what can, how do I put this, white people do? Because I don't want this to sound like it's a problem that people of color, that women of color have to solve exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but it's about um, who's sort of holding the power and, and how things change over time. So wh- how do you see things improving? Um, <laughs> this Sorry, is a big question. question. <laughs> yeah. um, well, for one, I don't think Ileana and I can solve what's going on in the news um, alone, nor can we solve racism. Um, but I think, you know, like talking about a lot of people who come to our events, um, you know, I would say I'm pretty happy with the demographic mm-hmm. and the attendance. It's pretty diverse, but we always have a white person ask the question, well, what can white people do? Um, and I, the first question. It's always the first question, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think in order for social justice work to be meaningful, the communities that you are trying to help or that you want to uplift need to be empowered. And what that means or looks like for white people is that you really have to ask yourselves and um, just reflect on your privileges and relinquish some of the power that you have and put a woman of color, a person, a man of color um, in the position where they can advocate for themselves and have resources. Um, and another easy thing is to just to give money to our causes, the organizations and the works that we're doing. You know, we don't need a white voice to speak for us. Um, but if you have monetary means to support the work that we're doing, we'll take it. Yeah, I think that's um, um, by one the way. way. <laughs> um, what, what's the website address? WeCeremony.com. Uh, yes. <laughs> so that's where you can go to make your contribution. And actually, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're very good about providing the same sort of information to each of the people that you interview. You include links to their websites yeah. and yeah. encourage people to donate to yeah. their work mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that's um, really important. 
Yeah, Absolutely. so if you don't want to direct uh, donate directly to We Ceremony, I mean, like, go to any of our spotlights. We always ask the questions, how can we continue to support you and your work? And they have a bunch of resources. So mm -hmm. I would even defer that to them if you want to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Rob, to answer also a little bit of your question, maybe in like a minute or two. Um, it's so loaded. I had to take kind of like a backseat when you asked that question. But I'm going to be biased and say that organizing is really, really important. We have such a strong history of white supremacy, nationalism, xenophobia, sexism, and really these issues aren't going to be solved with another president either but of course with our current political administration it's only getting worse as well um, but I would say that organizing is something that's really important but also making your voice heard at the polls is really important too mm -hmm. um, it's such a low turnout for local elections just take a little bit more time out of our day to see what our senators and representatives are voting on I think that we can make a difference in that too. And I think it's time that we stop trying to educate the same people that are in positions of power, but that we're electing our own people from our own community. Because if the current political administration isn't understanding our needs and why we need certain resources, then I think they, they need to get out. Great point. Yeah. Yeah, it's the great equalizer, the vote in this country, or at mm -hmm. least it should be. Everybody, mm -hmm. regardless of who you are, how much money you make, you get one vote. Mm -hmm. um, although we do have a lot of issues with the system right now. So sure. that's a great point. Yeah. Can I add something to that? Absolutely. Um, I think, um, so Ileana mentioned this earlier, and it is about checking our own privilege. And I think Ileana and Ari are very cognizant of the advantages that we have because of our identities. And I think one thing we can all do is hold each other accountable to the different biases that we have. Um, and Diliana and I had a very serious conversation only a few weeks ago that was super eye-opening for me. I won't go into details, but um, I think there was an issue that we just really needed to talk through. And she put it in this way that I thought was so accurate, which, which was, you know, calling somebody out in a loving way. And if we are able to have these honest conversations with each other, and I think that's also one step to attempting to eliminate any of these isms, but just holding each other accountable and um, calling each other out in a loving way about the different biases that you have or um, whatever anti-sentiments that you have based on your experiences. And I think that's that's super important, um, and I know it's a lot easier said than done because it's it's something that's really tough to have to reflect mm -hmm. on yourself and whatever you might harbor. But um, again, it's just it's just so important to have these conversations with the people closest to you, mm -hmm. and to do something like that in the moment, ideally as a conversation say is unfolding is even more difficult, but mm -hmm. I mean, you make a great point, but if you do it lovingly, say what's on your mind, mm -hmm. then hopefully you can go somewhere together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are moments where it's important to call people out the way it is too. I think because <laughs> Mu and I share a friendship, it's different, right? It's different, but of course, if it's something that's really hateful that somebody is saying or fill, filled with spite, I think then it is important, you know, to have a more um, honest conversation with people. But it is, I would say, a daily struggle, right? Because our privileges, they're not going to go away. So it's something that we have to check in on 24-7, right? Like, why did I think this way when I approach the situation, mm -hmm. you know? 
Um, for an example, like my aunt, she has ALS and she came um, to visit our family and we, my sister and I, we wanted to take her out um, and we use public transportation a lot. Um, so we took the train with her, but it wasn't until she came with us that we actually noticed how many elevators are at the trans- train station yeah. or how accessible it was to folks um, as well. So I think those daily check-ins are really important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great reminder, Ileana. So you mentioned privilege and bias. This is a show with the word media in it. So I want to ask the two of you before uh, we wrap this up, what inspires you in the world of media? Um, How do you consume media? Where do you go for media? Um, What are your thoughts on the comings and goings of information into your world? I think what inspires me is my younger self um, and the resources that I lacked growing up, learning how to speak a different language and adjusting to a completely new culture. Um, You know, growing up, one of the first ways that I learned English was watching The Simpsons. And, um, and, you know, that's not, but again, like at a young age. Cowabunga was one of the first phrases (laughs) you learned. Um, But... (laughs) Media at a young age was very important to uh, me learning a differently new culture and adjusting to this new life in America. But I think one thing that continues to propel me to move we ceremony um, continuously to move we ceremony forward is um, thinking about who I was back then and how and what resources I need to be, you know, a better person and more thoughtful person. Um, but with that, some of the news resources that I follow, um, I do I do read a lot. And I do read the news a lot, but I think my favorite um, publications or websites are Quartz. Um, and it really takes a lens about like what's going on in across the world through an economic lens. Um, my family and I didn't grow up with um, a very clear understanding of how money operates and um, what that looks like for communities of color and um, as for immigrants. And so I am super fascinated with anything that is dealing with the economy and how that affects me on an interpersonal level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the podcast <coughs> Still Processing. It's mm-hmm. a part of the New York Times with Wesley Morris and Jenna Ortham. Yeah, and they talk cool. about anything from pop culture to what's going on in the news politically. Um, And I think, again, just I'm always like we operate a lot in Instagram. And what Mm -hmm. really inspires me are all of the different women and different accounts that we follow. And so many of them are just incredibly honest with their experiences. And it's super aspirational to look at. Um, And because it's it's brave, they're putting themselves in a very vulnerable position. Um, But all of those are great resources where I consume my news um, and continue to fuel my energy for the work that I that we want to do for We Ceremony. Mm-hmm. Great. Ileana? Yeah. Um, I would say for me, The Nation is something that's uh, really important for me to read and also other local publications um, that come out in Everett as well, since I organize in Everett most of it. Um, is sometimes just like the first couple of paragraphs, but just to be um, knowledgeable and aware of what's happening. Also, The Cat Call um, is something that I like to watch, and there are many video segments, but it's great because... Um, 
this woman, Kat Laszlo, she takes mm-hmm. different um, topics, especially from the Latinx community, and breaks it down. For an example, recently she spoke about mental health in the Latinx community and why aren't we talking about this enough? And why is it when we have a cousin or maybe ourselves is dealing with a mental health issue, we kind of just isolate that person instead mm-hmm. of trying to talk about the problems Um or maybe the trauma, too, within our own families. Um, So that's something that I love to watch and follow as well. Um, Yeah, and recently in terms of podcasts, I've been listening to Code Switch, and I really enjoy that one as well. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Uh, We'll include links to all of these uh, in the show notes for this program. So what's ahead for We Ceremony? Where do you see things going? It's been building really nicely uh, since you launched. You launched when exactly? Um, so we started in mid to late 2015. Okay. Um, but I, I think we've gone through so many different changes since then. Um, but it's, you know, it's been such an exciting journey for us. Um, it started off as a passion project and it's something that we've continued to devote so much of our energy and our time to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the future, we want to continue to be a resource for women of color, um, communities of color, and um, anyone who is interested in these stories and wanting to uplift our communities. And another thing is we do want to position ourselves sort of as a consulting um, firm to help women of color um, get leadership positions. Um, so there's working on that leadership and um, leadership pipeline but also um, sitting at decision-making tables and advising companies that are making products for us and having a say in how that is represented and who they're creating the products for. Yeah, And I think also for us to having power within that decision-making mm-hmm. process is also something so important too, because I think right now with the conversations that are happening around the world, that representation is important and it's true, but if you're just going to have somebody as a token person um that doesn't make change either but to have actual decision making power is something important for us too and also we hope to collect more stories as well i think that that's something that's always going to be um at the root of what we do no matter what we ceremony becomes to Mm -hmm. continue collecting stories and really meeting people where they're at yeah so in terms of having that positive impact on women in leadership positions what are the are sort of your goals to get to that place? What are some of the things that you think need to happen? You've sort of mentioned them a little bit, but maybe you could just sort of uh, highlight it to make it super clear. Yeah, I think on an interpersonal level, what we've been doing with our events is that we are calling on local leaders, local women of color who can speak to the issues that are affecting them. And we're putting them um, at the position to share their knowledge. And, um, you know, if they're willing to educate our audience members, Um, And I think that's one small way that we're working towards that. Um, I think, you know, what's really important for us is to increase our visibility and making sure that our stories are known so that people are aware of the work that we're doing. Um, We've been working with a business consultant through the SBA um, SCORE program, and our consultant has been incredibly helpful to our Mm -hmm. growth and getting us to think more strategically and on a broader plan so there are some initial steps that we need to take ourselves to get to that point, but we're hoping with all of the stories and all of the women we're highlighting, somebody will see them and somebody will say, hey, I want to call on your expertise. I want to give you the platform to do X, Y, Z. And there's also a lot of different leadership 
development programs out there, especially for women. I wouldn't say that we've come across a lot that's focused in on women of color. Mm -hmm. um, so we would like to fill in that gap as well. Well, Mu and Ileana, thanks so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. Best of luck with everything with We Ceremony and everything else. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much, Rob. Learn more about the work of Muchie Young and Ileana Panameño at WeCeremony.com. You know, we didn't even talk much about their approach to interviewing in this episode, and you know that's a subject I care deeply about. But when you visit the website, you'll quickly learn that these two women have a gift for getting other women to tell their stories. This episode was edited and mixed by Isaac Kotecki. Matt Jensen composed and recorded your theme music. Please subscribe to The Media Narrative at themedianarrative.com. I'm Rob Hoschel. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.